0: I observe my neighbor, Chris, doing a routine. And my guess is you probably see your neighbors doing this exact same routine during these nice, warm summer months. Every single Friday, I see Chris start up his big diesel pickup truck, and he attaches his giant, beautiful travel trailer to the back of that pickup truck. He backs it like a professional. Have you ever backed up a trailer? That ain't easy. He backs it like a pro into his driveway, and he spends about two hours from two o'clock on Friday afternoon until about 4 o'clock on Friday afternoon, just loading it with gear, man. He's putting in sleeping bags and pillows and coolers and fishing rods and all sorts of cool stuff. I mean, he does it week in and week out. Then about 4.30, he loads up the last of his gear, his kids. He gets them in the trailer. And by 5 o'clock, they are headed west on the Trans-Canada One Highway towards the mountains. I was talking to him the other day and I was like, Chris, don't you ever get tired of doing this every single week? Like it's a lot of work to load up this trailer and obviously the mountains are close, but they're not that close. You're driving a long way with your family. Don't you get tired of doing this every single week? And he emphatically said, no, absolutely not. He said, I love this because this is the only chance I have to relax every week. He said, This is the only way that I can get away from the stress of work and the hustle of this city and have a few days of peace. And then he said, Now, Dan, I know you're religious. You're, you go to church and stuff. I'm not very religious. I'm spiritual, right? Because that's what everybody in Calgary says I'm spiritual but not religious. And so he said, um, You know, I, I know you're very religious. You go to church a lot. I don't go to church. I just don't connect that way. But he said, About the only time that I sense God, is when I'm alone out in the mountains. How many of you guys have ever heard somebody say something like that before? I'm t- you probably have neighbors that they do that exact same routine or they say those exact same things. Heck, it could even be you. It might have been that your plans were fully to go out to the mountains this week and the air quality kept you in and you got stuck here. Sorry about that. I mean, we recognize that, yeah, people, they find peace They find serenity, they find calm and rest often going out to the mountains. And listen, I get that. I understand that sentiment so well. My wife and I love going to the mountains. Um, We moved here from Florida about three years ago. And let me tell you, there are no mountains in Florida, okay? I think the highest point in the state of Florida is the number nine tee box at the Streamsong Resort, you know, in our town. Like, that's it. It's like this tall. That's a mountain in Florida. So when we moved here, we were like, oh, yes, this is beautiful. It's it's majestic. Let's go to the mountains all the time. And so Amber and I, we go a couple times a month. Often you guys are like, do you guys go to the mountains every day? Almost, but not quite. So I get it. Mountains are wonderful. Nature is absolutely beautiful. It's so peaceful, isn't it? Oh, it's so peaceful when there aren't a thousand tourists around slapping you with their selfie sticks. It is so nice. So nice. And I love the clean air. You just... Breathe in. You know, when the forest fires aren't trying to poison you, like it's really, really nice typically out in, at the lake or in the mountains or something like that. It is beautiful. It's distraction-free in a lot of cases. I mean, honestly, there is something transcendent about getting out to nature, whatever that might look like for you, and just being. It's like you really can sense God a little bit better in the mountains, can't you? I mean, that's just the way it feels. And again, I've heard people say that so many times since I moved to Calgary. They'll say, you know, I don't go to church, but I connect with God out in nature. Now, it might surprise you to hear the Bible actually says that there's some truth to that that you really can connect with God in some ways more easily when you are away from the hustle and bustle of life, when you are out in nature and just kind of observing and, and, and being, right? So let me show you a couple of verses here. Romans chapter number one, this is what the Bible says. Um, we'll put it here on the screen. It says, deep down, people know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. And, and look at why The scripture says people can know the truth about God. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God has made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature, so that they have no excuse for not knowing God. That verse says, yeah, when you go to the mountains and you see a majestic peak or you see a clear stream and you feel connected to something beyond yourself, it's a little sense of God in that moment. He's, it's a thin place maybe between heaven and earth and you have an opportunity to connect with the God who created it all. And then in Psalm chapter number 46, verse 10, the Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. The point that this verse is making is that there is some sort of connection between the amount of busyness and chaos and stress in our lives and our ability to have a deep and meaningful relationship with God. So yeah, I mean, you can go to the mountains and experience God. You can connect to something deeper out in the woods or out at the lake. But you know, I notice a problem every single time I go out there. And I wonder if you've ever noticed this problem too. The peace that I find when I go outdoors is only ever temporary. It only lasts for as long as I get to be away. At most, it's a day or two, and I get to decompress and de-stress, and that's wonderful, but I always know Friday and Saturday and Sunday are gonna come to an end. And I've got to go back so that I can jump into the the stress and the busyness of life on Monday. How many of you guys know that feeling? Where the weekend's coming to an end and you know what's coming and it's been great for a couple of days, but it doesn't and it cannot last. Listen, for so many of us, life is overwhelming. Monday through Friday is so hectic, so harried, so hurried that we can barely keep up, right? One kid's got a dance recital. The other kid's got hockey practice. Oh, by the way, they're scheduled at the same time. How are we gonna work this out? You've got deadlines at work. You've got church obligations. Social media notifications are going crazy because you finally posted something that blew up. You've got past due bills. It's like Monday through Friday is overwhelming. If we're honest, and I talk to people all the time and people open up to me a lot. And and what I've found is that most people in our city are riding the line between either burning out or freaking out because of all the stress that they carry around. And so what they believe, their method of coping and dealing with the stress that they experience is to escape. I'm going to pack the trailer. I'm going to leave behind all the stress of the city and my everyday life. And I'm going to go somewhere where I don't have to think about that stuff anymore. And then Monday rolls around and they have to be back at work. And so in Calgary in particular, but man, this is true all over, isn't it? We live this cycle where we get burdened and overwhelmed and stressed out and we escape as quickly and as often as we can. But when we return, the stress keeps building. And so we keep having to escape again and again and again. I mean, no wonder we don't feel peace and calm. No wonder we are all so stressed out because we're caught in this cycle that we cannot break free of. So, I mean, it kind of makes you wonder, it makes me wonder at least, like, is there a more permanent version of peace? Is there a peace that I can find and you can find that does not require a two and a half hour drive to the mountains? Is there a calm, a rest, a comfort, an assurance, a confidence that can last 365 days a year and not only show up on long weekends. Is there a peace that is bigger than what we can find outdoors? And I think there is. In fact, I think we just read it, we just glossed over it really quickly. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, I want to put that that verse back there on the screen. I want to read it together again because we're going to spend a few moments in it this morning. This is a very, very powerful verse, especially for those of you who are stressed out. Those of you who are feeling the weight and the burden of your Monday through Friday life and you believe the only way that you could ever deal with it, the only way you can cope with this heavy weight is to escape for a couple days and then start the process all over again. Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. Now, this verse is kind of like a part of our collective consciousness. Even if you're not a Christian, you may have come across this verse at some point in the past, because to be honest with you, as Christians, we love this verse. We slap it on every t-shirt we can. We print it on every mug we could possibly print it on. It's like always our Instagram status, you know, mountain picture and be still and know that I'm God. So we love this verse and you may have seen it again, even if you're not a particularly religious person, because it's short and it's powerful and it's true can I tell you something? I think most people completely misunderstand what this verse is actually saying. Because you could read it very simply and you could say, oh, be still and you'll know God and his peace, right? But I think there's actually something much deeper going on here, something much better. If you really understand what this verse means, you can find a peace that's better than what you experience in the mountains, You can find a calm that will see you through whatever's going on Monday through Friday and not just on the weekend. Here, let me put it this way. If you misread this verse, you can actually end up experiencing less peace in your life because you understand or misunderstand rather the promise that God is making. So we're gonna spend our whole morning on these seven words because they're that important, they're that powerful. And again, they really can give you that peace that you've been searching for everywhere, but you've been unable to hold onto. So look, here's how a typical reading of Psalm 46, 10 goes. Be still and know that I'm God. And we read that and we think to ourselves, oh, I get it, I get it. If I can learn to be still, then I will know God and his peace, right? Isn't that the typical way that you would read this verse? If you were just reading it in your own Bible study time, isn't this often the way you've heard pastors communicate this passage? If you can learn to be still, stop being crazy and chaotic, stop going, 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 going. If you can slow down and relax, then you will know God and his peace. And that's why so many people try to escape. They try to run away to the mountains on the weekend. They even try to spiritualize it with this verse, and they're like, oh, if I could just be still, then I'll know God and his peace. And I guess there's some truth to that, guys. Like, if your calendar is completely hectic and crazy and overwhelming, then yeah, you're going to feel stressed. You may not know as much peace as you should. But can I tell you, the problem with reading that verse that way is that we're really bad at being still, like really, really bad at being still. We like to talk a good game about how, oh, I can be calm and quiet and, you know, I can, no, we can't. We're really, really bad at this. I was talking to somebody who's sitting here in the auditorium this morning and um, he had a work accident and the work accident has forced him to be at home for the past week or 10 days. And there are lots of things he can't do. He can't do anything active. He can't watch TV because of the accident and things like that. And he's like, I'm going crazy. I can't sit in my bedroom any longer because we're really, really bad at being still. We carry around so much stress. There's so much weight and constant motion and noise and movement in our lives that we don't have any other way of functioning anymore. And so it's easy to say, oh, you should be still, but we're not very good at that. In fact, I was reading a a, a story that Global News put out a couple of months ago, and they said one third, one out of every three Canadians one-third of all Canadians say they are extremely stressed on the average day. Those are the words they use to describe their situation. Those are the words that they use to describe what they were feeling and what they were carrying, extremely stressed on the average day. So here's what happens. We think to ourselves, I got to get away. 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 And so I'm going to escape. I'm going to be still. So then I'll know God and I will know his peace. And so we find something that will allow us to kind of push the pause button on life and to get away. Now, for a lot of us, it's the mountains, but it ain't just the mountains. That's one example of a whole bunch of different things that we try to escape into, isn't it? Hey, some of us escape to the gym, Gym's a good thing, but it's like the gym is where we go. That is our moment of peace. And if we don't get the time at the gym, then we are stressed and we take it out on our kids and like, the day didn't go right because I didn't get to the gym. Some of us escape to a six pack. We've got our brand. We know that if the day doesn't end in the bottle, it ain't going to be a good day. That's where we go escape to. Some of us, we can't escape to the mountains, but we will escape to an idealized version of life on Instagram, won't we? Mm, yeah, well, I can't live a perfect life, and I can't really escape to the mountains, so I'm going to enjoy somebody else's escape to the mountains, or I'm going to make it look like I've got all the peace and calm in the world as far as anybody else can see. We all have these escape mechanisms that we use, ways that we try to cope with the stress and the, the hurried pace of life week in and week out. Now, The problem with all of that is that this sort of cycle where we build stress and then we escape for a couple of days doesn't ever actually relieve the stress that you're experiencing. You understand that? You're avoiding it for a little while. You're choosing not to think of it. You're getting away from stressful environments and that's all good and helpful. The problem is it's all waiting on you when you get back on Monday or when you drink the last beer or when you spend your hour at the gym. No matter what, it's all still there, waiting to stress you out and leave you feeling burned out and overwhelmed. Now, I told you a minute ago that this cycle actually can be quite unhelpful and unhealthy, this escape cycle. And the reason is this. We have a tendency to escape to these things. And when we escape to these things over a long enough period and over enough repetitions, there's a shift. That happens in our mind. So pretty soon... It's not that we're doing these things to experience God's peace. Instead, we are doing these things to experience peace, period. So here's the way it works. Somebody says, man, I just experienced God in the mountains. Like, I I feel so peaceful. I feel so close to God. And if you do that long enough, you know what ends up happening? You stop going to the mountains to experience God's peace. You start going to the mountains to experience peace. So you start looking at God's creation to give you the things that only the creator can. Do you see how that works? It's so subtle and it's so simple. It's like, yeah, God made wine. It's wonderful. It makes life enjoyable and a little bit better. And pretty soon now you're looking at a glass or four or five a night, and that's what you need in order to find peace. So we make this escape hatch, this constant cycle, and believe it or not, it actually ends up leaving us worse off and further away from the peace that we really need. Because we're worshiping the creation instead of the creator. We're asking God's things to give us what we can only find ultimately in God. Believe it or not, the Bible actually says said it for 2,000 years. We just don't ever read it and give it any credibility. Look at what the scripture says in Romans chapter number one. It says, yes, people knew God but they would not worship him as God or give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas about what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles and mountains and lakes and what else? They worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself, who alone is worthy of eternal praise. See, this is the danger in your escape cycle. This is why you've never been able to find real and lasting peace by escaping to Canaanascus or by engaging fully in a hobby every week, or whatever the case may be. Because a couple of hours a month is not enough to sustain you through all the stress and burden that you're gonna carry the other days of the week. So, I mean, does that mean Psalm 46.10 is wrong, right? Be still and know I'm God. Does that mean that it's wrong and there's no connection between being still and knowing God? No, but I do believe that we've been reading that verse wrong, okay? Um, Let's put that, can we go backwards? We'll put that on the screen here. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I'm God. Maybe, maybe the cause and effect relationship, the promise that God is making here is not if I can learn to be still, then I will know God in his peace, maybe the promise, maybe the cause and effect relationship is, if I know God, then I can learn to be still. Oh, see, now that's different. If I'm still, then I'll know God. Not necessarily. You might just fall asleep. If you know God, however... You can find a peace that doesn't require a drive. You can find a peace that doesn't need a vacation. You can find a peace and a calm and a rest and a comfortability in your own life that will see you through Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, every single day. Maybe I could summarize it like this. We'll jump ahead two slides, guys. Thanks for bearing with me. I went out of order, not them. Peace and rest don't bring knowledge of God. Rather, it's knowledge of God that brings peace and rest. This is what I want you to know this morning, okay? If you were like, dude, that guy talked for 35 minutes and I'm not totally sure what he said. If at the end of this message you can remember this one thing, I'll be a happy dude. Peace and rest don't bring knowledge of God. They don't actually leave you feeling more peaceful. Instead, it is a knowledge of God, your heavenly Father, that will give you peace peace and rest. Now, before I dive too far into this, we've only got a few minutes left in the message. And so i want to ask a basic question, okay? Why do you think we are so busy in 2018? Why is it that we are working more than we have ever worked in the history of humanity? We really are. We work more hours than at any other point. Why is it that we are more stressed out? And we are. We report higher levels of stress in 2018 than at any other point in recorded history. Why is it that we are deeper in debt than we have ever been and at any point in history? Why are those things true? There are probably a good number of answers, but I would argue it ultimately comes down to what we believe about God. That that is the fundamental issue that will drive how we handle everything in our life, including our calendar, our relationships, our finances, our self-esteem. Every bit of it comes down to what we believe about God. Because if there is no God, or if you believe there is no God, if you believe that this life is all there is, then I'm telling you, you better work hard. Because success The success or failure of your life, if there is no God, if there's nothing more, then it rests solely on your shoulders. You need to get busy. You need to work a little harder because this is all you've got. You got one life, one chance, and nothing else. You better get out and earn every dollar you can. You better travel to every destination possible. You better experience everything this world has to offer because if there is no God, then it is every man for himself. It is survival of the fittest. You only get one life. It's just a few decades long. The clock is ticking down as we speak. What the heck are you doing here today? Go experience stuff because you're never gonna get this moment back. If you believe there is no God and this is all there is, then I'll argue the pressure you feel is justified. You better feel it every day. You better work yourself to the bone because this is your only opportunity. The problem, again, is that we all know that's not healthy. It's not sustainable. And deep down inside, like that verse in Romans says, we know there is something more to life than that, right? Maybe, 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 that... Our busyness is a symptom that we believe we're actually in control of everything. So I would talk a good game to you, and I would say, no, I'm a pastor. I know God is sovereign. He's in control of all things in my life, and yet I'll work 80 hours a week. And I know I can't sustain that. It's not healthy. It's not helpful. Family suffers. On and on it goes. And the problem is my actions are really showing that I believe I'm responsible for things. I believe I'm the one that's in control. I'm living as if I didn't believe there was a God. But if you and I believe deep down in our soul with every fiber of our being that there is a God, that this life is not all there is, right? Then we fundamentally approach things differently. Our calendar's different. Our spending is different. Our relationships are different because we believe we're not the only ones looking out for us. It's okay if I go to sleep tonight. Because there's somebody else that's looking out for me. God doesn't slumber. I need about 10 hours a night, but God doesn't need that time. If you believe there's a God, you may not have all the answers. You might not know how things are gonna work out, but you trust there is a God who will work things out for your good and his glory. You can release control. You can take your hands off a little bit. You can breathe, you can trust and believe that you can have a good and meaningful and fulfilled life independent of where you get to go vacation or what your title was when you retired. A belief that there is somebody else who's looking out for you and a recognition that this life isn't all there is. Now, look, I get it. I'm I'm about to get like super spiritual, metaphysical, spooky, creepy. I get it. For those of you guys who are skeptical, what I'm about to say is hard to take. I get it. But as Christians, we believe that this life is actually a warm-up for the real one to come. And the real one is not 70 years and then it's all over, but it is an eternity. And so if I believe that there is an entire eternity for me to experience all the good things that God created, then I don't have to kill myself in these few decades to accomplish it. See, your worldview dictates your actions. What you believe directs what you do every single week. Maybe I could summarize it like this. When you know God, you can surrender control over the things that you could never control anyway. When you know God, you can surrender control of the things that you could never control anyway. See, if there is no God, then you believe you've got to be hands-on because it all rides on your shoulders. But if you know there is a God, then you can say, God, I believe you're good. I believe you're sovereign. That means you're all powerful. You're in control of everything. And so when I don't know what else to do, when I'm tired of carrying the world on my shoulders, I can let you do what only you can do. You can release control of the things that you could never control anyway. All right, I'm going to give you just three practical ways that you can find peace in the middle of life's chaos, okay? These things don't involve escaping to the mountains. They don't involve, like, you know, smoking your, your issues away. I mean, these are things that you can do, and they really will see you through tomorrow, okay? The first thing is this. You need to recognize that God offers internal peace rather than external calm. God offers you internal peace rather than external calm. You need to know this because all too often we want to control the circumstances that are going on around us. We want to we want to calm all the waves. We want all the problems to disappear. We want the relationship drama to quit. We want the financial stress to stop being present. We want to just have a calm and peaceful set of circumstances around us. And we assume that that's the peace that God offers us. That is an external calm, but God actually doesn't promise you that. He's never going to give you that 100% of the time. Nobody gets that from God. You don't get external calm. Instead, God promises you in every single circumstance, situation, issue, problem, or hurdle you face, he will give you peace In the middle of it. Peace on the inside, not peace on the outside. Internal peace is what you really need. That's the thing you've been missing. See, you've been looking to external things to give you less stress and to decompress, and that's why you go to the mountains, or that's why you do this, or that's why you do that on the weekends or at night. And instead, what you need is something that's on the inside. Something that cannot be taken away from you based on the circumstances that are going on around you. Look at what the Bible says here in Philippians chapter number four. It says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And then I want you to really notice this last sentence. If you do this, God will make sure that you have no more problems. That you don't have any coworkers that are driving you crazy. That you will never get laid off. That your house will never need repairs. That your bank account's never gonna run low on money because he will calm every external circumstance in your life. Nope. That's not what it says. Instead, it says the peace that you get will guard your heart and your mind. Internal, not external. And for as long as you expect God to give you external calm instead of internal peace, you're gonna be real mad at your heavenly father. But the moment you say, okay, God, now I'm seeing, you're not gonna calm all the storms, you're not gonna say goodbye to all the waves, but you're gonna give me the capacity to get through it all, then things change and you really can experience peace. Now, of course, guys, I'll tell you, The real peace, the internal peace that you need most desperately is peace between you and God. That's really what you need. You need peace between you and your heavenly father. There are all sorts of other peace that you could probably use a good dose of, but nobody um, doesn't need this peace. The, The fundamental thing you need is peace between you and God. So I'm gonna read you one more verse here. I just want you to stick with me for this last moment here. The scripture says this, God has made peace. With everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far from God. God has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ's physical body. And as a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. Can I point out something that you may not have seen in that verse? Every single verb in there is past tense. God has already made peace with you. God has already reconciled you through Jesus. God has already given you everything you need. The question is whether or not you'll accept it. The question is whether or not you'll acknowledge it. What do you have to do to have spiritual peace You simply acknowledge what God has already done for you. In fact, can I show you something really cool? I've been waiting the whole message to show you this one little thing. So it's small, but man, is it big. Go back to Psalm 46, 10. It says, be still and know that I am God. The way that word know is written in the original Hebrew, it literally means acknowledge literally means acknowledge. It doesn't mean like come to learn. It just means acknowledge. If you want peace with God, if you want true, lasting, internal, spiritual peace, all you have to do is acknowledge that God is the source of it. If you will acknowledge God, you will find peace. Nobody's gonna force that on you. You can continue to go to the mountains or chase it in a bottle or whatever you want. You could do you, that's okay. But I'm telling you, you'll never be satisfied until you acknowledge God, then you'll be still find peace and rest second thing is you've got to live with margin you have to build some margin in your life you need to be able to say no to things margin is simply the difference between what you could do and what you should do and so some of you are just doing too much you are working too many hours you're saying yes to too many things you are saying yes to too many people you're spending too much money and all of that is adding to the monday through friday stress that you're carrying around And yes, God can give you a piece to deal with your stupid financial decisions, but wouldn't it just be better if you just stop making stupid financial decisions in the first place and you didn't have to carry the stress around? If you start to do what God instructs, that is to live with margin in every area of your life, then you'll find your stress reducing itself. Believe it or not, God expects as one of his followers that you take a day off. Did you know that? It's so important to God that you have a day off every week. He made it one of the big 10 commandments. It's that important. We're gonna talk more about Sabbath and margin a little later this year, but can I just encourage you, do whatever you need to give yourself the gift of a little extra room in your calendar, in your checkbook, in your relationships, in your mind and in your soul. Last thing, and I'm done. You've gotta prioritize the spiritual in your life. It's amazing as a pastor to see what typically happens. We feel stressed and we feel overwhelmed. And so we start thinking, oh man, Dan just preached this message about margin. and I need to cut some things out. So I'm gonna cut some things out. And then we cut spiritual things out of our lives. It's like, well, I'm not gonna give up Netflix. So I might as well stop reading the Bible. (laughs) I'm not gonna pray, but I'm sure gonna make sure I'm tweeting every other hour, right? I'm not picking on Netflix. I'm not picking on Twitter. I'm just saying we cut the things that actually give us life. We cut the things that we need to be doing. We stop praying and we stop going to church regularly and we stop serving on the dream team, despite the fact that we would never consider cutting back on our kids' extracurriculars. Are you kidding me? I just wanna challenge you guys with all the love in the world to recognize that not all work and activity is created equal. And so if you have to make some cuts in your life, don't start with the spiritual. That's the stuff that will give you energy and juice and life to keep going and deal with all the other stuff. Instead, prioritize the spiritual in your life. You're like, man, but I need 10 extra minutes in the day. Don't give up prayer. Give up something else. I promise you, your heart and soul will be better for it. Oh, I hope you guys have, have heard my heart today. I'm not trying to pick on you guys. I go to the mountains all the time. I love watching Netflix. I love all my little escape hatches too. I've got them just like you do. But can I encourage you? Can I challenge you to find a peace that will last longer than those simple little diversions? to discover a relationship with God that is so deep, it is so powerful that no matter what you ever go through, Monday through Sunday, it will see you.